0: Today's episode of the NBA show, Heat Check on the Ringer Podcast Network, is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. For example, imagine if you're Jimmy Butler. A man who says all he wants to do is win and he goes back to Philadelphia and he super does not win. In fact, he loses by a lot. He gets killed. He gets booed. It's uh, an abject defeat for our man, Jimmy Butler. If you're Jimmy Butler or, say, not from Philadelphia, you might consider that an unpredictable outcome. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. And now, heat Check.
1: check. You knew that was coming.
0: It's heat check time. Welcome to heat check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. And normally I would be joined by my producer, Isaac Lee. Uh, alas, he has, uh, died and gone to the big podcasting studio in the sky. RIP Isaac Lee. And we welcome in new Isaac, Steve Allman, you'll be here each and every week now.
2: Yes, I I will. Rest in peace, Isaac. Yes, RIP
0: Isaac. uh, He was fine. Uh, (laughs) But you, we're very excited (laughs) to have you. We don't have to talk about the Clippers anymore. You're from Chicago, where it's very cold there now, but you live in L.A., uh, and you're enjoying the warmth, and you can watch the Bulls because we have television here. You can watch the Bulls from afar.
2: I could watch that disappointment from so many miles away.
0: Although we're going to talk about uh, the Bulls a little bit later in the show, Zach Levine had a heater.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's that's the thing. We've been we've been hitting the snooze bar on the Bulls for many years back in Chicago, and the other night it was just more of like a huh, yeah, okay, okay. They, they we'll nodded see. you. They we'll nodded see.
0: you awake. Uh, so Steve will be here each and every week. We'll talk all kinds of Bulls now because he's on the program. Uh, we're excited to have him. Happy almost Thanksgiving to all of you. Thank you for listening. A reminder to please rate and review us. And don't forget about all the great NBA content on the ringer.com. Dan wrote about PG and the Clippers joining his five most interesting teams of the week. Young Paolo Escoblog debuted his new column, uh, The Biggest Questions of the Week, which will run every Monday. Uh, young Haley O'Shaughnessy broke down the five plays that explain Trey Young's killer skill set. And Zach Cram... He wrote about the Warriors and how they're chasing history again for all the wrong reasons. By the way, coming up later in the show, Zach Cram joins us. We haven't had him on in a little bit. He's going to join us to discuss the sweeping changes that could be coming to the NBA very soon. But first, let's review the latest news from around the league and bring in our regular contributors, Dan and Haley. Boom
1: shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire!
0: One of them is in studio, one is way across the country in our NYCHQ. It's Heat Check Coast to Coast with Haley and Dan. Double D Dan is back. And uh, Haley, I thought it was a power move, quite the flex for uh, Dan basically to call out on Isaac's last day.
1: Well, you know, it's giving him the send off he deserves.
3: Dan, you were just like, yeah, I'm not coming to work. Screw Isaac. Well, I feel like it's important to make a hard break between the past of the show <laughs> and the future of the show. Right. And I think we can all agree that Isaac is the past and we collectively with Steve are the future.
0: Yeah. uh, Old Isaac is dead. All hail new Isaac.
3: (laughs) Shouts to new Isaac. shouts, Shouts
0: to new Isaac. Let's go to the headlines from around the league with NBA instant replay. All right. So, hey, congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs. They won a game. They beat Dan Devine's mighty New York Knicks, which, by the way, did you see Richard Jefferson said that he knew it was time to retire when the Knicks offered him a job. Amazing. Uh, The Spurs were up as many as 28 points. But before that, they lost eight in a row, which was the most ever under pop. 538 gives them less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs, which is the same as the Knicks and the Hornets. They made the playoffs for 22 straight years. Gang, our first gang of the program. Dan, you're first because you're, you're rejoining us. You were against the Spurs all season long. I finally got on the Spurs because I said, you know, I, I spent all of last year doubting them. And uh, once again, I am wrong and you are right.
3: Fade the Spurs, ladies and gentlemen if you can't stop anybody to save your friggin' life, you're not going to be able to make the playoffs. And as of right now, the San Antonio Spurs can't stop anybody except for the New York Knicks. And those those leads that you have like a 28-point lead against the Knicks, that's like a dog years kind of lead. It's like a four-point lead against any other team. The Spurs can't stop anybody to save their lives. And if if that's going to continue for them, they're not going to be able to compete no matter how good their offense is. We've seen this time and time again uh, under Greg Popovich. Like The the, the team he plays to the talent of his best players, but right now none of his Best players can really play defense all that well. And you're starting to see the cracks in the foundation.
0: Haley, uh, a reporter implied to uh, Greg Popovich that the Spurs were struggling, to which Pop replied, That's bullshit. We're kicking ass, which (laughs) God bless him. Uh, What's the chance that they recover here? Because don't forget, last year they started off slow too, which is when I wrote the uh, obit. And then they immediately became like the best team in the NBA and, and, uh, you know, marched on to yet another playoff appearance. So what's the chance that they get this thing going again?
1: I think that they deserve a handicap because if any coach could fix something and turn it around and understand how to use these players in a better way, it's Popovich. But even their silver linings right now, like Patty Mills is having a great season, a career season, honestly, this late in his career, are kind of bad. Like he looks terrible on defense, but they need him on the court.
0: I'm not ready to count them out yet. I know that Dan Devine hates all the teams in the middle of the country because he's a coastal elite. (laughs) He hates the San Antonio Spurs. I'm not going to do it yet. I'm going to ride with Pop and the gang. I think that they're going to turn it around. Uh, All right. So a clash of uh, NBA Eastern Conference foes. Jimmy Butler returned to Philadelphia. Sixers versus the Heat. And... uh, 10, 9, 8, ers they throttled Miami by 27. They booed the living shit out of Jimmy Butler, who, you know, he said all he wants to do is just win, gang, and he did not win. There were reports from Philadelphia from my friend uh, Enrico at the 700 level that there was a 10-year-old in his section screaming, Jimmy Butler sucks. Uh, I love all of this. How do you guys as non-Philadelphians feel about booing Jimmy Butler upon his return to the city of brotherly love. I think it's so
1: bratty. I'm sorry. I'm sure like a lot of Sixers fans listen to this, but I don't understand why he got traded there. He saved you guys in a playoff series. What obligation does he have? He doesn't have the hometown obligation to resign.
0: Spoken like a non-Philadelphian. We discount your idea there. (laughs) Dan Devine, what do you think about this?
3: I think booing Jimmy Butler is something that Jimmy Butler would appreciate. He's sort of like a great wrestling heel, right? Like Ric Flair doesn't want you to cheer for him. He wants you to like let to acknowledge what he's doing and then respond in kind. And I feel like Jimmy Butler of any of any NBA player except for maybe Embiid, which is maybe why they get along so well, wants to have that from a crowd. If he's not if you're not with him then you're against him and he's completely fine with it. I feel like everybody involved there is doing exactly what they're supposed to do for the greater, broader narrative.
0: This is the proper take, Haley O'Shaughnessy. It's my God-given right as a Philadelphian to boo, and I shall boo. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, this, it's just one game, but how do, how do we feel here about the Heat? They go to 11-4. and four. They were having a good season until the Sixers reminded them that they're not very good and that they're not the Sixers, but, but do you buy the Heat this season long-term, Haley O'Shaughnessy?
1: I do. Uh, against the Sixers, they're one of their season-long flaws came out turnovers, but also against the Sixers, it was unusual how poorly they shot the three. And that's something that they've really been doing well all season. And they've been shooting well overall. Their passing is better. Their young guys look really good. Even their rookies. I think there's a lot to be excited about with the Heat. And I I do think that we should take them seriously.
0: Dan, while you were away, we had other Dan, Dan Pfeiffer on last week and he implored Ben Simmons to shoot the corner three. Guess what happened? The other Dan pulled it off. Obviously, Ben Simmons listens to Heat Check Ben Simmons took a three and made a three. How excited were you? You were so excited. You probably didn't even sleep
3: that night. <laughs> I, I, I was, I didn't sleep because I was apoplectic that the Knicks were the team that gave it up. Um, I think, I thought, I think it was Derek Bodner of the athletic had the, the right take on this. Like at, just as we shouldn't have gotten too far ahead of ourselves when he hit it against that Chinese team in preseason, yeah. we also probably shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves for him <laughs> doing it against the Knicks during the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the, really the main takeaway for me is that you just have like a laundry list of other Dan's that can come in here and, uh, outperform me on the podcast, which really makes me feel good about my role on the program.
0: So the many Dan's forward. that we've got in line, but
3: only one Haley, there's always- only
0: one. <laughs> But only one Haley. Uh all right, we go to Chicago and new Isaac's favorite team, uh, the Bulls. Oh boy. Zach Levine went off. They were down eight with 40 seconds left in Charlotte. Uh Zach Levine had a last second steal. He made a mad dash to uh turn around game-winning three-pointer. Later on, he, afterwards, he was asked about it. He said, I pretty much said, fuck it. I'm going for the game. He finished with 49 points and 13 threes and a one point win against those Hornets. It's the second most threes in a game in NBA history behind. Just Clay Thompson that tied him with Steph Curry. That's courtesy of our very own Zach Cram, who will be joining us a little later in the program. But I bring this up because it's kind of a take that Jim Boylan move because before that, in a loss to the Heat, uh, Jim Boylan basically sat down Zach Levine early on, and uh, Zach was asked about it after the game. He said, you know, like, why do you think he he yanked him? He said, well, if he doesn't trust me, it's hard to trust someone who doesn't trust you. Danger, Haley. How do you feel about this uh, potential conflict in Chicago?
1: I wouldn't say that Bolin inspired him. I don't want to, like, create that narrative. I think that this is going to end up, like, coming to a head, like so many different occasions have in Chicago in the past. And this is just kind of his nature. We've seen this, like, a million times out of Jim. Even, like, last week, he said after the Nets, he was like, I can't go out and play for, play for them. So him speaking out is going to continue to happen because the Bulls are going to continue to lose. And maybe it fueled Zach Levine, but eventually it's just going to annoy him.
0: Uh, Dan, afterwards, Boylan said, I just pulled him. It wasn't combative. Guys know Zach Levine and Laurie Markin and our starters got to play better for us to become what we can become. Who's right here? Does Boylan have a point? Because I also think it's kind of hard
3: uh, to play better if you're not, you know, playing. But the problem with that is, like, Zach Levine is also actively not playing on half of the court most of the time. You know, it, it, So, you know, Jim Boylan is, you know, your sort of quintessential hard ass, old school kind of coach where if like you're not giving effort on defense, you're not bra- if you're breaking plays, you're not going to play. And Zach Levine kind of admitted that he's like, you know, he wanted me to, you know, to do X, Y, and Z on the pick and roll, and I kind of didn't do that. That the, the one thing coaches can control is playing time, and they can't man- they can't mandate effort, but they can say if you're not going to do what we want you to do, you're not going to play. Now, is playing, is not playing Zach Levine counterproductive to what the Bulls are trying to make, uh, put together? Probably, but. This is, it doesn't seem like it's out of the realm of possibility for Jim Boylan to have been in the right on that thing and still sort of be wrong in the bigger picture. I feel like Haley's right. This feels like a precursor to a blow-up, but I'm not really sure who's going to be at fault when it happens, and it might just be that there's blame on both sides of the table. Uh,
0: new Isaac, Steve, where do you fall on this? Are you with uh, cranky old man Jim Boylan, or are you with uh, fun, take-a-lot-of-three-pointers Zach Levine?
2: I don't know. I mean, waking up from this very long slumber of Bulls fandom just to say, just to weigh in on something like this, I don't know. I would be like, all right, well, I've been saying what we've all have been saying. The city of Chicago is, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll see. That's is, all that it's been.
0: That's a perfect tea check take right on the fence. We love new Isaac. <laughs> uh, let's go to you. You're fitting right in. Haley loves that kind of thing. Uh, let's go to the Pelicans. So apparently Josh Hart has a podcast. I did not know this. Uh, it's called wait for it. The light hearted podcast because of course it is. And he had one Lonzo ball on to discuss visiting his brothers in Lithuania during this podcast. This is all via ESPN. Uh, so Lonzo on this podcast said, Lith- Lithuania was very depressing. I went there to visit my brothers. I wouldn't do it again. It's like hella gloomy. Nobody smiles. It's like everybody just hates that they're there. Did I do that? Well, did I do- I'm i channeling really Lonzo <laughs> and the kids. Uh, I'm, I'm like, damn, I had to get out of there, bro. And Hart responded, sounds like LA. No, I'm not talking about the city. And Ball responded, I don't know what he's talking about there. Next question, let's cut that part out. Now, at that point, the producer of Uh, the podcast and knew Isaac Steve would never do this. He would actually cut this out. But the producer says, yeah, we're going to edit this part out. So you might as well just tell us about it. And Hart laughs and says, I was going to say the Lakers organization. And then obviously they did not cut that part out, which (laughs) prompted Josh Hart to then call the Lakers members of the Lakers organization in front office. Haley is gobsmacked here. Uh, All of the smacks have been gobbed uh, to call various parts of the Lakers organization and apologize for doing this. One, do you believe that this was an accident that they didn't cut it out, Haley O'Shaughnessy? And two,
1: did he need to call and apologize? Who is this producer? What a betrayal. (laughs) he, He should be calling him out before even calling the Lakers organization. I cannot believe that. Look at me. In the eyes, new Isaac, if you ever pull some shit like that, I, I swear I, to God, I will jump over this table.
4: These mics are
3: too hot. <laughs> too hot. Uh, Dan Devon, did he need to call and apologize? Look me in my eyes, new Isaac. <laughs> I, I'm not, I will I'm turn not, the laptop around. <laughs> right. No, I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> Haley's frightening enough on her own. Um, I think, I don't know if he needed to call to apologize. I mean, the, the guys that got on the business end of that Anthony Davis trade were basically like walking on eggshells for a year, right? Like, or for six months or however long it took, 15 years for that whole Anthony Davis goddamn situation to to, to fall, uh, fall out. All those guys were like, you're in the trade, you're out of the trade, you're in the trade, you're out of the trade, and then they wind up, you know, being shipped out. Like, I don't think they really owe the Lakers organization anything. I think it's more covering your ass after the fact, which, again, that's probably not their fault. Their producer probably should have taken care of him on that one.
0: Magic Johnson quit on television before telling genie bus this is what did tell me about the lie here like yeah. well, what is he worried about uh people finding out that the lakers organization was previously and might still be but definitely was previously a shit show
1: yeah, both, I mean, people, both sides are happy, too. It's it's, fine.
0: it's uh, fine. All right, last one for you. There was another fan run in. This time it was with the Celtics while they were in Denver. Marcus Smart got his foot stuck in a chair, and while it was, his foot was stuck in a chair, he said that uh, the guy that was next to him said, that's right, stay on the ground, get on your knees. Smart pointed it out to Nugget Security, who did nothing. A league spokesman said that the uh, league was investigating the matter. Now, you may remember from listening to Heat Check that the NBA uh, instituted a new fan zero tolerance policy back in October, the NBA executive vice president and chief security officer, Jerome Pickett said that we've added any sexist language or LGBTQ language or any denigrating language in any way, anything that is non-basketball related. Uh, this was non-basketball related and yet the guy stayed in the, in the arena. How do we feel about this Haley, uh, that the NBA is not exactly, uh, acting on its new zero tolerance policy.
1: It's sad. I mean, this is the only way to prevent these things in the future is to have a zero tolerance policy and actually enforce it. And I especially think that you should probably do it when it comes to Marcus Smart. If there's like top five people in the NBA you don't want to fuck with, he's probably Also a great dude. He's one or two and he's not two.
0: He's also a great dude. Dan, uh, how do you feel about the zero tolerance policy that actually uh, evidently has some tolerance?
3: Yeah, I I think... This is always where the NBA was going to find themselves on this because they want to be like, give fans a wide berth for being able to heckle and you buy your ticket and you get the opportunity to say what you want to say. But also like the players need to be protected. The players need to not be just sort of berated and, and slandered and whatever else while it's happening and and the, the players don't feel protected it's this is what really got back to the heart of what Tyler Tynes wrote when he sort of covered that last season after the Russell Westbrook incident in Utah players don't feel protected they feel like they're you know like animals in a zoo behind bars or behind glass and like there's not even that separation anymore because a guy can just get it right in Marcus Smart's face about it so I don't know I feel like the the league in order for this to actually matter the league has to has to have some teeth in the policy and this is like a bummer but not surprising at all that they don't
0: if there's anything that was good that came out of that it, it It was uh, Rick Pitino's tweet. He uh, tweeted out, I see another dumb fan got into it with Marcus Smart. I encourage any player sick of that nonsense to come play for Panathinaikos. You can go through the Euro League and not understand any words. Crying, laughing emoji. My guy,
1: Rick Pitino, back in Greece. uh, Also killing it on Twitter. Pitino Uh, forever. You did the Louisville mention for me this time.
0: That's right. There we go. Uh, That was NBA Instant Replay. And now it's time to bring in our guest for the main event. All right, joining us on the line, he's a staff writer. You can catch his daily NBA facts. We call them Zachs on Twitter. He's instantly the smartest person on this show, which drops me to the fifth smartest. Uh, he's Zach Cram.
4: Hello, nice to be here.
0: Hi, buddy. Today's act was fun. The Warriors have zero healthy, above-average players on the <laughs> roster. Uh,
4: <laughs> well, f- fun if you're for the other 2019 teams. Right, I guess.
0: right. Sucks for Golden State. Uh, so we brought you on because we thought you'd be a good person to talk about this. There's a lot of potential changes to the NBA and the way that they're going to handle their season. According to Woj and the other Zach, Zach Lowe, uh, these could be enacted as soon as the 2021 season, the league's 75th anniversary. They're proposing a minimum 78 game regular season. And we'll go through, we'll tick through each of these. There's four major changes. The first one is a mid-season tournament. This is something that's uh, long been a pet project of Adam Silver, who loves the idea of a soccer style tournament. It would involve all 30 teams. It would start post Thanksgiving and run through mid- December there'd be a divisional group stage and then a pre-knockout regular season games would count towards that and then eight teams would graduate to a knockout round with financial incentives for players and coaches. Uh, Zach Cram, our guest, we'll start with you. How do you feel about this?
4: I feel like this might be the most controversial of the proposed changes, at least from uh, what I've seen in the initial reactions online, but I think I'm encouraged by it from two perspectives. The big problem, of course, is the question of stakes, right? What does this tournament mean when you already have the NBA championship? We're seeing more and more load management. So why would the Clippers, for instance, burn Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in these games when really the first 50 plus years of NBA history have pushed toward wanting to be healthy in June, not necessarily In this tournament around Thanksgiving. But I think there are two encouraging factors here. Number one is that single elimination games just rule in general. And the fact that this would be a single elimination tournament, once you get to the quarterfinals, artificially amplifies the stakes there. Think about why the NCAA tournament is so popular, why the wild card game in baseball is so great. Even if it's not necessarily the most fair structure to determine a winner, it's the most entertaining. And number two is from a long term perspective, I think. in the short term, certainly there will be fewer stakes just because this tournament has no history. It doesn't mean as much. When you go to a player's basketball reference page, you're going to see the number of trophies in the top right corner, not necessarily the number of midseason tournament trophies. But over the long term, these things can change. And you have to have a first step looking at the NCAA tournament, for instance the NIT was a more prestigious, glamorous, popular tournament for the first two decades or so of the NCAA and NIT tournament's existences. But over time, that changed as the NCAA tournament grew in popularity. And and I'm certainly not suggesting that this midseason tournament will eventually usurp the actual NBA finals in June. But like, it's possible that that these things can grow in importance. And especially for teams like the Wizards, the Wizards have a great offense. Could they get hot over three games and compete in a single elimination tournament? I think all of these things are possible. And that's why over the long run, it could end up uh, adding. I
0: I wonder, you know, you bring up a good point about why uh, the Clippers would potentially say burn a Kawhi when they're load managing. But I wonder with the financial incentives in place, like, do you have to play? To get some of that or is it like spread out evenly? I wonder. But Haley, you said previously that you would have uh, a differing opinion from one Zach Cram. Do tell.
1: I think maybe on the other things that we've oh, talked about. But apparently he's totally forgotten about because conversations with me mean nothing. I miss you too, Zach. Um No, I I actually agree with him here. And I think the entire thing has to be about fun. If this is truly going to mimic soccer and the soccer tournaments that we've been talking about, I actually think that we're completely overlooking something, which is that you shouldn't limit it to the NBA. This should be something where we incorporate G League and Euro Leagues and, you know, different things, because that is what happens with these midseason tournaments in soccer.
0: So you just want to fold everybody in.
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be that, ne- that messy, but I think this should be a chance to incorporate something just outside of the NBA.
0: Uh, Dan, other changes that are happening here. One of the ones that they propose a play in for the postseason, where seven, eight, nine and 10 seeds would get into it. Uh, I kind of like this one. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I don't know the, the idea of changing all this stuff for the purposes of finding new ways to re-engage fan bases who don't feel like they have a chance to win the championship is reasonable. I mean, the point Adam Silver's made throughout this is like organization. I think it was a quote that he gave to Mark Stein of the times. Uh, organizations have the opportunity to make new traditions and this making the tradition and then fostering it over time is going to be like sort of an uphill climb. But you have, I mean, all of this idea of like you have to get more teams to be on board for more different changes and you have to figure out a way that it makes sense for them, it comes back to like, is this going to make more money for people? And if it go, if it is going to make more money for people or at least be revenue neutral while potentially reducing workload, then it, people will be on board for it. But as of right now, it still seems really unclear that like any of it would make more money while decreasing workload in a season that's already pretty long as it is.
0: Zach, I suspect that you have studied the uh, potential ramifications and implications here of them having a play in for the postseason. But where do you fall on this one?
4: I just want to first say that it's sad that over here, I'm focusing on what would be the most entertaining. And then Dan is being the damper of, oh, well, it's got to be revenue neutral and make money. <laughs> just well, yeah. think about the the, the fun. NBA.
0: Welcome to welcome to heat check. Dan has to put on his dad hat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I,
3: well, and John, we are wearing the same dad hat today, by the way, we you are can see it in, the, in the camera, but you're but no, only the, one
0: of us is shaking his fist at a cloud, Dan,
1: Danny down. That's true. Yeah.
3: The reality, no, the reality of it is like, I would love it if it's more entertaining and more interesting, but I think that we have to differentiate it in an important way. Like, so if, if the tournaments are going to be in some way different than the regular run of NBA basketball, like. I don't know, only players under 25 can play. Only players in their first three years can play. Um, you know, if you were part of a playoff team the year before, like, you know, you're not going to be, or whatever. There needs to be some kind of differentiation, because otherwise it's just sort of reorganizing something we already have. And like, I don't know that that necessarily, just putting that in the context of a single elimination tournament with no pedigree makes it much more exciting in the here and now. But I, I, I'm open to the possibility of being wrong on that. I just feel like if you're going to introduce something new, that there, there needs to be more new about it.
0: Zach, uh, just to summarize here, Dan hates Dan hates fun, and you and I are pro fun. We like fun. This sounds like fun to me. What about you?
4: Well, I think both proposed playoff uh changes, this one and the idea that once you reach the semifinals in the last four teams, you would reseed them to, you know, prevent like two Western powerhouses going up in the semifinals uh, instead of the finals. But I think both of those seem like half measures. Like if you're going to reseed once you get to the semifinals, why not just reseed the whole thing? And if you're going to allow the ninth and 10th place teams to play in, usually those ninth and 10th place teams are not that much better than the 11th or 12th place teams. So why not just extend it to every team? And I think that is where I'm a little confused about the purpose of expanding it a little bit, but not just going full bore because like, I don't know, in the Eastern Conference, the 10th seed usually wins about 36 games. Are they going to be much more competitive than an Eastern Conference team that wins 32 games? Probably not, especially over a small sample. So I think I would prefer these to be expanded because, again, single elimination games rule. We saw a sort of pseudo playoff game, uh, a pseudo play-in game a couple years ago when Denver and Minnesota played for the 8th seed on the last night of the regular season. And that game was awesome. And I think figuring out more ways to add stakes, especially at the beginning of the playoffs, where the first round is usually kind of a bummer, uh, is a smart idea. I'm just not sure if this is the right smart. Haley,
0: idea. they're taking steps here. As as Zach mentioned, this last one uh, would recede so that potentially you could have two teams from uh, the West or even in a bizarro alternate universe, two teams from the East uh, playing for the finals. Do you like, uh, yes, it's sort of a half measure here, but at least it's an attempt to change uh, the format of the NBA, which has, you know, kind of grown a little stale here. Do you like this final proposed
1: change? I think that, if there's any argument that it hasn't grown stale its last season, the Raptors upset the Warriors. That's like the craziest thing to happen in the last five years. Well, other than the three in one comeback. But even no, actually, I think it's it's wilder that they won. But like Zach was saying, these things are probably going to need to be gradual to ever be incorporated. But I think they need to be overwhelming changes to matter. And I also think the owners won't go for that. I however would like to see it.
0: This is my this is my problem with these changes. If, I I like the idea that they're attempting to shake it up a little bit, but my whole thing here and uh Dan knows because we were on the road for the playoffs last year together for I think we just got back. Uh the the <laughs> season, the regular season is really fucking long and then the playoffs are 2 months long and they're go- they're going to in this scenario, there's a potential chance where uh a team could play as many as 83 regular season games. So on the one hand, they're saying, you know, 78 regular season games at a minimum in an attempt to reduce. But once you add in uh, the mid-season tournament and the reconfigurations with the with the play-in games, you could potentially have more games. Like, Zach, check my math here. You're the math guy. Wouldn't that be more games? Aren't we supposed to have fewer games here?
4: Indeed, 83 is greater than 82. than 82. It's more than 82, Yes. I'm glad you invited me onto the pod to <laughs> work with this advanced calculus, but I think this is where, as as I was making fun of Dan earlier, I agree that the money will end up playing a role because like my idea for shortening the regular season, if we're going to stay with 30 teams is if you play every team twice and then every team in your conference a third time, that works out to 72 games, which sounds ideal when you're load managing guys like Kawhi and maybe LeBron, they're probably going to end up playing around 70 to 72 games and that seems like an ideal scenario you would have more balance in the schedule but that would require losing revenue for five home games and maybe over time adding in a mid-season tournament could account for that gap but you're right it seems like you're almost adding more games or at least not getting rid of games when even adam silver has admitted that's kind of the goal he has
3: Zach, I'd like to note for the record that you were talking cash shit earlier about my my uh, my lack of excitement and my Debbie downerness and all those sorts of things. And then by five minutes later, you came right around to my point of view, my man. This is this is growing up. That's what this is. That's what happens here on the on the Heat Check podcast. No, I mean th- this is exactly right. If we're gonna do fewer games, do fucking fewer games. Don't yes. do four fewer games, do 10, do 15, do 16 fewer games, whatever. Like and then make these they put time around these like the international breaks they have in soccer or something like that. Yes, to be able to to, to build in the time around it. They lengthened the the, the season a couple of years ago to expand more time. They wanted to put more time into the All Star break so that players aren't getting run into the ground. We can't just fill in those gaps with new shit because we think it'll sell better. The whole point is to ha- is to make all of it matter more. And scarcity is the answer for that.
0: I propose just canceling March. Just like, let's cancel March. We'll all take a timeout and a an nap before April rolls around and there's the playoffs. Uh, Zach Cram, this was hugely helpful. I could not have figured out 83 is more than 82. Without you, go read all of Zach's stuff. He's very, very good. Thanks for joining us, buddy.
4: Thank you so much.
0: All right, that was Zach Cram. We love Zach Cram. And now it's time for a segment that we also love. Good call, bad call. What a bold call here. All right. So uh, we've done sort of like a little bit on this show where we've where we've reviewed jerseys and uh, because listeners at home can can see these things uh, if they go and pull them up on their own. Uh, But we're going to do an all jersey edition of Good Call, Bad Call because we can't help ourselves. So we'll start first. Dan, you missed this last week. I made the mistake. Isaac joined us for uh, the entire show. And I made the mistake of throwing to Isaac first for one of the good call, bad calls. And Haley yelled at me. She said, I always start. What are you doing? Sexist. So we're going to go to Haley O'Shaughnessy (laughs) first. Hey, Haley, what do you think about the Nets' bed-sty jersey?
1: Uh, I don't like them. I just don't like the font. I think that a lot of these city jerseys, the problem is that they the idea behind it might be good, but the execution, the actual font, the colors, everything, it's bad. So BC.
0: BC from, from Haley O'Shaughnessy. Dan Devine, our resident uh, Brooklyn expert. Uh, <laughs> what do you say about the Nets bed jerseys?
3: It's still a BC for me. I mean, it's the, the same idea as, like, why the, uh, the 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 other ones, the other sort of graffiti font jerseys didn't work for me. The font, yeah, Haley's right with the font. I do like the kind of Coogee, uh piping on it, the Coogee mm-hmm. sweater colors. But, like, there's a little bit of, like, the Nets are playing kind of Biggie karaoke at this point, and I feel like it's a little bit of... It's a little bit much, but uh, I'm open to more neighborhoods in the future. If there's a Flatbush one, perhaps where I live, I'll, I'll, I will buy that at some point. But uh, right now, we're going to go with the BC. Uh,
0: new Isaac, BC or GC on the Nets Bed-Stuy jerseys?
2: BC. I, all of these new jerseys have been looking like wiling out jerseys anyway. So. <laughs> so we got
0: three BCs. You guys don't know fashion. I'm a GC. I love these. I think they're excellent. Uh, it's fun. I like the Nets stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, all right. What about the Celtics? The Celtics have a Boston Gaelic font as somebody described on our Slack. It's a font that just ordered a round of fireball shots and got into a bar fight. Uh <laughs> Haley O'Shaughnessy, uh, what say you?
1: I can't believe that you say I don't know fashion when I'm in this outfit.
0: Fair enough. You yeah, clearly,
1: <laughs> clearly a great <laughs> well, outfit. Look, yeah, um,
0: it, it, but it stopped there. I mean, the net's bed size. I'm I'm all, all on board for anything biggie. Go. Uh, I feel like as
1: an Irish person, this should be a GC for me, but Mm -hmm. it's a BC because this looks like the O'Hara's pub that is on every college campus ever. Yeah. And who has good memories from that pub? It's
3: a BC for you. It's a BC. Dan Devine? It's a BC for me, especially because all of the players that the Celtics had sort of posing in this, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum... Uh, Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward look like deeply uncomfortable to be associated with that kind of bar. Like, you know, somebody's about to get thrown through a plate glass window after screaming for 45 to five minutes. And I feel like it, nobody really wants to be there, let alone in that like living inside of it. So I think it's a BC all the way around for me. New Isaac. Uh, BC as well. I would have preferred the font from Cheers.
0: Yeah, Uh, sweep it up. I'm a BC as well, uh, contractually obligated since I'm a Philadelphian. Uh, We go to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies brought out their big country throwbacks from the Vancouver era. Uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy, Grizzlies throwbacks. Jonas kind of looked by, by the way, like I'm going to guess you, you don't remember big country. Dan Devine, you remember big country. Jonas kind of looked like big country in those jerseys. Did he not?
3: (laughs) Oh, minus the flat top. That's, that's really what you're missing with. He needs that a little bit. Uh,
0: Haley O'Shaughnessy.
1: These are beautiful as somebody who has bought a lot of Vancouver gear, just because I liked how it looked. Yeah. I'm all for these. GC, GC Dan
3: Devine. Also, GC, something about that, that sort of like the teal really pops now. I mean, it might have been a bit too much at the time, especially when on the back of a Mike Bibby, but now it's really coming around.
2: Uh, New Isaac. Extremely GC. Very
3: clean. I like this.
2: I hated them back in
0: the day and I friggin' love them now. They should only wear these. They're beautiful. Sweep it up, GC. Uh, Last one for you. We're going to do these together. The Kings brought out a Sacktown jersey and uh, the Bucks have a Cream City jersey which led Trey Kirby to tweet, I can't wait for Sacktown versus Cream City. Uh, Let's go on the tweet there. Haley O'Shaughnessy, Trey Kirby's Sacktown versus Cream City tweet,
3: GCBC.
1: I can't say anything. You'll have to bleep it all. (laughs) Just move
3: on. Dan Devine. Uh, Trey, uh, fine, GC. Trey was my old boss at my my previous job, a (laughs) longtime internet friend, but also what are we doing here, guys? Come on, what are Uh, we doing? New Isaac. I, 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 I can't believe that they're just doing
2: this and not thinking that the internet's gonna just jump on them. Yeah.
3: Extremely BC. <laughs> Extremely G
0: C for the exact same reason. Shouts to Trey Kirby for putting those,
2: City, are you kidding me?
0: For for putting those two things together. I saw Trey's tweet and I laughed for I'm still laughing. We're talking about it on the show. Uh, last one. Uh, The Heat Check podcast talking about jerseys when (laughs) people can't see them. Haley O'Shaughnessy.
1: Uh, GC, because Isaac's not here to stop us anymore. That's
0: true. Shouts to Isaac. uh, Dan Devine. (laughs)
3: Uh, GC. We'll see you at the crossroads. Old Isaac. New Isaac. GC because I'm the new Isaac. Sweep
0: it up GC. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everybody who was on the program. Zach Cram was excellent. New Isaac killed it. RIP old Isaac Dan Devine and Haley O'Shaughnessy thank you and thank all of you for listening. Please rate and review us. Read all of our content on the Ringer.com. Listen to the Ringer NBA show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Heat check. will be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving gang. Bye.